Today, you are listening to Think Again Christian, where pop culture and Christian traditions collide with biblical truth. Sponsored by Rainier Christian Schools. And now your host, pastor of Ravensdale Bible Church and superintendent of Rainier Christian Schools, Tony Jamie. Rethinking and re-examining concepts, ideas, traditions, and challenging your beliefs from American pop culture and your Christian denominational circles. How? Well, by the renewing of your mind through God's Word and open radio conversation. Well, today I want to talk about how the simple sin of thinking it's just fruit opened the door to all sin. And the setting is simple. The setting is the Garden of Eden and its sinless perfection. There's no sin at all at this point, as Adam and Eve are living blissfully under the rule and the guidance of the Almighty himself. All is well until Genesis chapter 3, and we're introduced to Satan, the serpent of old in the Garden of Eden. And if we pay close attention, it should bring us great fear to consider Uh, What they did that so violated God's law, that made all mankind cursed by Adam's sinful bloodline. If a man were writing the original sin story, I'm sure we would come up with some epic story of, of murder, maybe a mass murder or adultery uh, mixed with some some treacherous human sabotage or backstabbing disloyalty. But that's not what happened. See, the seed was planted deep in the heart. And as the scripture says, so a man thinketh, he is. And Satan is able to penetrate the heart of Adam and Eve internally so that the external sinful action was eating a piece of of fruit. That's the big sin. Eating a piece of fruit. Again, not murder, not adultery, not fornication, not idolatry. It was believing the deception that it's just fruit. It's just a piece of fruit. What's the big deal? Lighten up. I mean, how often... Have we started down the wrong path? It's just one time. I just, I just want to try it. It's okay. God never specifically said in the Bible, cocaine or abortion or pornography. Look it up. It's not there. I surely won't die from this. What fun is God trying to keep from me anyway? And so the phrase, it's just fruit, is the slippery slope of disregarding God's word, God's laws, his testimonies, his statutes, his precepts, his standards, his commandments. If God left us with so much written word, why does it seem like we struggle so much to stay away from the other forbidden fruits of the world? I mean, it can't be ignorance, right? Besides, ignorance is no exception to breaking the law, never has been, never will be. Unfortunately, we have 
we've we've followed the pattern of Adam and Eve far far too often. We listen to the outside voices. We we challenge God's commandments, and we desire to do things our own way. See, we're willing to follow God just as long as He matches up with with our ideas of morality, with our ideas of what's good and bad. And so it all begins with our view of God and the world that our, our Lord left behind. If, if we truly value the Bible as the only authoritative truth, then we, we will read it first. We will read it often. We will read it all the way through and value it above any other book written, especially by human minds, by human hands. And so whatever happens in the technology of the future, whatever happens in the social structure and the economics of, our, of the world and politics of our world, uh, the, there are always going to be these unchanging realities. But the Word of God is alive and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And the Scriptures have proven to be reliable and relevant, whether read in the first century, read in... Another country read by the rich, read by the poor, read by the educated, the uneducated. It's amazing how relevant the Bible is to everybody. And I think we're pretty much aware of the fact that the, the sufficiency of the Word of God is always going to be under assault. And what do I mean by that? Well, Second Peter 1.3 says that the Word of God is ample, it's plenty, it's enough, it's competent, or... It's sufficient. For what? For life and godliness. Can you think of any two things that that you would want to do well at? You want to do well at life and godliness, right? Well, well, what's the pattern? You go to the Word of God, and the Word of God, it is plenty. It's enough. It's competent. It's ample. It is a sufficient source. Second Timothy also uh, piggybacks on that idea of Second Timothy 3.16 says, all of Scripture, then, is, is, is of profit. It's ample, it's plentiful, it's enough, it's competent for what? For teaching, for correction, reproof, training in righteousness. So I think that life and all pretty much sums it up. If you want a good life and all that it includes, then read the Bible. It's enough. Well, now consider the opposite. If God's Word needs help, then then it's meager. It's unacceptable. It's inadequate. It's deficient. The Bible then is left wanting and lacking in wisdom. And so without knowing it, when humanity challenges the wisdom of the Bible by equating it with worldly philosophies, traditions, and earthly wisdom, it's directly challenging God's counsel. And so this begs the question, well, what about all those uh, Christian living books? Well, I'd say, think again, Christian. Be wise, be discerning, be careful about what you read. And, and, and have you read your Bible so many times that it's of no use to you anymore and that you've exhausted its wisdom and you've got it so memorized that you, you can move on? See, there's a war on wisdom in which ideology is right, and just consider politics, Republican or Democratic, communist or capitalist, philosophy or religion, Christianity or Islam. But the war for truth is nothing new. It all goes back to the garden 
where Satan comes along and says, did God say, and, and it goes from there, did God really say? Surely he could not have said that. And that's not true. God didn't tell you the truth, and you won't die. God lied. Trust me. And the truth war was on, and it's always going to be on. Genesis 3 is Satan's playbook for deception. In verse 1, he states, has God said? Play number one in his playbook is create doubt. Create doubt in God's word. Does the Bible really teach no premarital sex? That divorce is wrong? That gossip is sinful? Create a deception. In verse 2 of Genesis chapter 3, we see play number two in his playbook. Distort God's word. Satan says, not from any tree in the garden. See, Satan twists God's words, which confuses Eve. Note he doesn't attempt to outright deny God's word. He just adds a little bit to them. He adds any. There was only one tree that they were forbidden to eat from. Verse 4, play number 3 in his wicked playbook is denial. Satan moves from a subtle diversion to an outright denial. You will not die. He's directly challenging God's word. He's calling God a liar, and the truth comes then from something and someone else other than God. See, Satan will set you straight. Let me help you out. And so from that point forward, as the seed is planted, verse 5, play number 4 in the the playbook of Satan is denounce. At that point, Satan pushes God aside by elevating man to a, to a position of headship and equality with God. He tells Eve, your eyes are going to be opened. See that he's been keeping you in the dark. Your eyes are going to be opened and you will be like God. See, Satan's tricks, his, his, his plays, they're the same today. They're the same today. There's, there's deception. There's distortion. There's denial. And then there becomes an outright denouncing. And it's, it's hard for me to say, but unfortunately, they're usually found in, in the bestsellers in your Christian bookstore. Think about it for a second. If Satan were to make a glorious impact, you got to put on your screw tape letters hat for a second. If Satan really were to infiltrate Christians, where would he go? Where would he go? The bars, right? The jailhouse? No, he's going to go to the church. He's going to go to where the, the Christians hang out, right? If he really wants to, to pierce Christianity, then he's going to want to communicate to Christians. So he's going to want to do that through the church, through the body of Christ, which is the people. And so the people in Christianity, well, we, we go all over. We're, we're at church, we're at radio stations, we're at bookstores, right? And so if he can then infiltrate us, how? Deception, distortion, denial, and denouncing, then he's got a chance. And so may I suggest to you that we need to rethink the things again, not that we watch and read and listen to just in the secular realm, but especially, especially the Christian realm. And so we have to be like the Bereans. We, we have to, to test it to see if it were so. And more often than not, the more popular uh, a, a book, the more you should probably question it. 
if it has such a universal appeal, um, that's probably your first indication that it's it's not as exclusive as what we see in the scriptures. Remember, in 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 the Bible, we, we see a lot of of a lot of narrow thinking. Right? There's only one way. There's only one way to God. There's only one God. There's only one Bible. There's only one Son. There's only one belief system. There's only one faith. Well, that's pretty exclusive. And so when we come back, we'll, we'll talk more about the deception of It's Just Fruit. Since their small beginnings in 1963, the ministry of Rainier Christian Schools has been dedicated to educating and developing each of their students for the glory of God. And it's more than just a school. Rainier Christian Schools is actually an entire school district, with three schools serving the areas of Kent, Auburn, Covington, Renton, and Maple Valley. The Christ-centered environment weaves God's truth through everything they do, from top-notch academics all the way through their competitive sports programs. Learn more at RainierCSD.org or call 425-255-7273. That's 425-255-7273. Contact Rainier Christian Schools today. Welcome back. You're listening to Think Again Christian, sponsored by Rainier Christian Schools. And now your host, Tony Jamie. Today we're talking about the deception of hearing, listening, reading, uh, words that are distorted it began in the garden with Satan himself, but it began with the idea of it's just fruit. But when we look at that sin, when we look at the original sin, and we look at what happened, and it was really a willful act of, of rebellion by Adam and Eve against God, that's what the heinous sin was. And it was heinous. And yet, again, we, we tend to think in, in terms of big sin, little sin, right? It's just fruit. It wasn't murder. It wasn't adultery. It wasn't idolatry. Well, is the Bible silent? No, it goes far beyond uh, Genesis 3. And you already know that Satan will, will twist God's word. He, he does not chapter 3, right? Very beginning, very first people. He did it again uh, in another classic uh, example of how Satan will, will try to use words to, to tempt people. And you know who he tempted? Jesus, he went right after Jesus. I mean, there's no shame. There's no apprehension. And when he gets Jesus in the desert alone, he starts laying on the lies again. He starts with the same old game plan, the same tactics. He, he tries to, you know, create a deception, distort the truth, deny God, denounce him. Same old stuff. And so consider this. One of the last sentences in the Bible was actually a warning about not adding or subtracting from the Bible or else the plagues of the book of Revelation will be put upon you. Do you think God's serious about getting his words right, getting his words accurate? 2 Timothy 2, 14 through 18 talks about handling accurately the word of God, not just handling the word of God, not, not just reading the Bible, but actually reading it accurately. In, in, in Titus 2, we see how older men and, old, and older women are to teach the younger. Well, why is that? Well, in order to accurately handle the Word of God, you, you have to have somebody who's, 
who's older, who's wiser, who's seasoned, who has experience, right? Be careful where your counsel comes from. James 3 goes on to to warn us against too many becoming teachers. Well, again, why? Because the the maturity, the wisdom, the training, the godliness that's required for teaching and accuracy is essential. 1 Timothy 4.1 warns against deceitful spirits, doctrines of demons. Please hear me. There are deceitful spirits. Ephesians 6 talks about the, the our, our war is waged against the, the, the wicked spirits, right? The, the, the doctrines, the teachings of, of demons. Don't be fooled. Satan's wicked ways come through the front door. He directly confronted Jesus. You don't think he's directly confronting you? Matthew 7.15 says, Watch out for false prophets who come to you in, in sheep's clothing. False prophets. Again, when I read this, I look at myself in the mirror. He's talking about preachers. He's talking about teachers. He's, he's talking about pastors, spiritual leaders, right? And it's if, if this bad teaching is going to come, usually it comes from the false prophets. Now, it seems as though these are, are, are willful deceptions. They're the, you know, like the wily coyote, you know, he puts on the, the fake sheep's outfit to go into the, to, amongst the sheep to go, you know, steal the herd. So again, it means that these false prophets are going to come from within the church, the Christian community. I mean, false Christians aren't, you know, walking around in, in the public schools to say, hey, it's, you know, I'm going to do a chapel today. They don't, they don't get a voice. It's, it's bad theology and sermons and radio shows and podcasts and schools and Christian book spores that, that pose our greatest threat. And then we take that false information and pass it along uh, to our family and friends. Second Timothy, again, Second Timothy 4, 1 through 7 says all of Scripture is sufficient. And there's going to be this time. There's going to be a time where believers aren't going to endure sound doctrine. They're going to want to have their ears tickled. They're, they're going to want to hear what they want to hear. Boy, if that doesn't describe where we're at right now, I don't know what does. And so we need to, to not just go to the Bible to do eisegesis, to take out of it what we want to see. We want to see that God is a loving, kind, gracious, merciful, forgiving God who loves everybody and sends people to heaven. Yes, you can find all your verses. But that doesn't mean that everybody goes to heaven because there is a hell, there is judgment, there are consequences for disobedient, unrepentant sin. And so we see again in, in, in the Bible an explanation for death and, and suffering. We don't need to read another book. and in, in fact, it's, it's more confusing when you read other accounts of really explaining why somebody died. It, it doesn't make sense. It hurts too much to see a young child die. It hurts too much to see your grandma die. Either way, it's it's hard. But you know what? The Bible is our source. Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9 explains to parents to teach their children. And one of my, my concerns is that that we baby each other too much. Today, you know, many churches are, are still just serving kind of soft serve milk rather than than meat. We're treating churchgoers like they're newborn babes. 
And see, when I read the Old and the New Testament, I'm amazed that the, the children would be directly instructed by the Bible. It's like, well, you can't read that. That's The kids are here. Well, where do you think they were in the Old Testament, in the New Testament? They didn't have youth groups. They didn't have Sunday school class. They were sitting right there by mommy and daddy. Do you realize that the Day of Atonement was an absolute bloodbath? That they would walk up to temple and there'd just be blood everywhere? And yeah, little Johnny and Susie watched as their sins were atoned for by a sacrificial blood sacrifice of a lamb spilling blood all over the altar. And then Deuteronomy 8.20 says, if you don't listen to the voice of God, you will perish. Well, I don't want to perish, so I better listen to the voice of God. Well, where's the voice of God? It's in his, in his word. And so at, at Rainier Christian Schools, we've noticed that our, our students struggle with chapels that are, are quote-unquote sermon-driven. Now, think about that. They, these are mostly Christian kids and church-going kids, and, and they can barely sit and listen to a 20-minute sermon in chapel. Unless it's, you know, like funny or on some specific topic for kids. And so we've trained our children to be entertained for so long with the belief that the Bible's boring or out of touch and not relevant that we've raised a, a couple generations now of, of churchgoers that are almost completely unchurched, even though they go to church. They don't know their Bibles. I mean, just ask them a couple questions. I mean, usually the worst part of about chapel for for most of our students they'll say is the teaching time well if teaching time isn't chapel what is i mean unless uh you know we we really bring in a a, a well-known speaker and the guy just has great stories um and, and you know the music rocks i mean it's very difficult to grab their their attention they feel like they've got to be entertained now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that there isn't a place, you know, in, in to, to have fun and to smile and to see joy and laughter in, in the church or in chapel. I mean, we can use videos and modern technology and illustrations, but, but we still need to make sure that we're directing people back to God's word, back to the meat. I mean, we, we need some steak and potatoes, not just, you know, dessert with sprinkles on top, Right. And so the problem we're facing with students is that they don't have the biblical background then to fight off Satan's worldly attacks. See, when Jesus is confronted by Satan, he fights back with Bible verses. Today, our kids are fighting back with the worldly wisdom they're gleaning from the Kardashians or Taylor Swift or some, some athlete. And so pop culture is the playground for Satan's Tactics, TV, movies, music are constantly preaching, preaching a message counter to the Bible that in and of itself creates doubt and distorts God's character and denies God's ways and denounces God over and over and over again. Just watch a teenage show. They're going to glorify children disobeying and dishonoring all authority, especially their parents. They lie. They steal. They create st- strife like it's just a game. And, and, and the normal team, you know, uh, isn't a Christian. If there is a Christian, then their character, you know, is somehow some huge hypocrite or, or just a legalist. So, so don't be deceived. It, it's not ever just fruit. It's not ever just a book, just a movie. If it's changing the gospel, if it's changing the character of who God is, if it's changing what sin is and the need for genuine cons- conversion in lieu of, uh, of, of, of hell— then it's one of Satan's plays. 
And the only way to prepare for this kind of battle is to exercise your mind, to train, 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 to read your word. So before you read the next Christian bestseller or attend the must-see Christian movie, think about Satan's plays. Doubt, distort, deny, denounce. Read your Bible and think again, Christian. You've been listening to Think Again, Christian, sponsored by Rainier Christian Schools and Tony Jamie. Rainier Christian Schools serves preschool through high school with three locations in the Renton, Maple Valley, Covington, Kent, and Auburn areas. For more information about Rainier Christian Schools, www.rainiercsd.org or call 425-255-7273.